ready for true happiness, for deep fulfillment, for feeling alive, on purpose, and in control of your life again, it's time to be the bold, brilliant, beautiful woman you were born to be. Welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. I'm women's happiness and life purpose expert, Karen Rockhind, and I'm going to teach you how to live on purpose, feel alive, and be happy in every aspect of life. I'm going to get real about my life and interview women who are living on purpose so that you can finally live yours. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 Purpose Girls. So before doing this work, I was in corporate for 15 years. And of course, now I work with a lot of corporations, speaking, going in and and working with women's groups and talking to different aspects of leadership. But one thing I come in touch with all the time is what is the difference between female leadership and male leadership? Is there any difference? I remember when I was vice president of marketing for an economic development firm in Cleveland and I remember one of my colleagues thinking that I was a total B-I-T-C-H, that I was just so hard-nosed. And then, of course, a couple other colleagues would tell me, no, you're too much of a pussycat. You let everybody run all over you. And of course, then I was just getting so overwhelmed that I really didn't know how to be a leader. I would open up books and I would try to do what they said. But in truth, now that I know what I know, now that I'm on this side, working with companies, working with all of you amazing women, I know that we're not men. And all those books I was reading were about how to be a leader as a man, like how to be a man. And as wonderful as men are, this is not man bashing, it's simply to say that we're different. We know from research that women's brains are different. Our brains develop differently beginning at eight weeks in utero. We know from the research that psychologically, biologically, we have differences, we have different needs and different ways of communicating. And so the question is, what is it to be a female leader? How can us women be the best leaders possible? Well, my guest today has figured it out and I am beyond excited to share her wisdom with you because Leanne Mallory is not only a colleague of mine, I consider her a soul sister and a friend. She is someone who shares my love of positive psychology, as she also has her master's degree in applied positive psychology from Penn. She also has done the work and is an expert on the feminine. And it's rare for me to meet anyone else other than me who has that combination. So this is going to be so juicy and so exciting. And Leanne has just come out with a new book that she is going to share with us. So let's talk a little bit about Leanne. So Leanne Mallory Mapp, which is Masters of Applied Positive Psychology, began her career as an executive coach in 2006, working with leaders and teams from around the globe. Yet she soon found that something was missing, the body. This led her on a personal journey of physical, mental, and spiritual healing that took her into the depths of her soul and the heights of her consciousness. Committed to the belief that transforming business is the keystone to solving many of the world's stickiest problems, She brought each of these lessons back to her clients in the corporate sector. As the founder and CEO of Leading in Motion, Leanne has now spent over a decade helping leaders face bottom line challenges while combating both meaning, depletion, and burnout. She does this by using practical embodiment tools to bridge the gap between the hard-driving logical mind 
and the deeper wisdom of the soul. Her new women's leadership book, Guts and Grace, best title ever, offers a concrete, actionable doorway to greater power, resilience, influence, ethics, and impact at work. Leanne, welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. Thank you, Karen. It's so awesome to be here. Mm. I am so excited to have you here because as I was reading Guts and Grace, which, as I said, is the best book title ever, that what struck me was how you are speaking to being a woman rather than us having to hide that we're women in some sort of, you know, pinstripe suit, nothing wrong with pinstripe suits, but that we have to hide it rather than us having to pretend that we don't have emotions when emotional intelligence is all the rage in business. But for some reason, as women, we're not supposed to have emotions. That's what actually makes us so awesome at being friends and parents, et cetera. You really have explored how to merge these two aspects. So I want to begin with what do you notice about women and leadership as you're out there with your clients? Yeah. I mean, you know, when I think about how I came to do this work, and this isn't what you asked, but I just, it's really how I see, um, is that so much of the training that happens in the earlier years of business, when we get into the corporate world where we start doing this kind of work, is like you said in your story, um, really basically how to be more like a man to be able to be successful. And the problem is that to make that happen, many of us mostly unconsciously, sometimes very consciously, your story about, you know, am I a B-I-T-C-H or am I a, a pussycat? Um, like sometimes we're aware of it, but also it happens this in unconsciously. It's like the soup that we swim in kind of informs us that to be able to fit that mold, especially if it's not how we're naturally built. Because some of us have really strong, natural, masculine qualities. And we're like, great, I can rely on that. I can use that. Some of us don't, or that's not just our our kind of automatic way of being, or we have those and we have other things. Mm -hmm. And we basically start to put certain things away and it works for a while. This is the thing about it, right? It's like, it helps me to get my first promotion. It helps me to kind of get the next promotion. I'm climbing the ladder. Things are going well. And then what I often see is that there's a moment where suddenly there's something else that's needed because at the higher levels of leadership, it's really different skill set that are needed. Mm. And uh, suddenly we kind of look around and go, wow, I, I don't know how to do that or I'm not doing that or that's not who I am, but maybe it was who I am. So I was really blessed when I started my early career to work with high level leaders as a really young woman, frankly. And so much of what I got to see was that they were having breakdowns either in their personal lives and or on the work front at the higher levels because they just lost certain parts of what would make them a whole and well-rounded leader. Mm. And what um, I think you you may know this, but my um, my capstone, my thesis from our Penn Masters of Positive Psychology was um, was on practical wisdom, which is a leader or anyone's capacity to do the right thing in the right moment in the right way at the right time. Mm. So to be able to respond to what the situation calls for from you. So so much today we talk about agile leadership. We talk about being able to respond. We talk about you know having access to all these different parts of ourselves so that we can do what's needed. And when we're half cut off or we played in such a way that, you know, our feminine side or any side of us is not allowable or available at work, we're not able to lead as well. And so I'm an advocate for masculine and feminine leadership, but it's like so much of the feminine is what has gotten left out for men and women, frankly, but it's especially tricky for women because we've learned or we think we've learned that that's what's not welcome. 
Right, right. This is so brilliant. So, you know, I, I often talk about how we all have masculine and feminine in us, right? And the masculine is the do, 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 get it done, structure, logical. And those are amazing skills that us women have. And they were so honored in school and in business and got us that first job, got us that first promotion. And men have the feminine in them too. This isn't man, woman. This is the feminine of creativity and intuition and emotional intelligence. And so many of the things you see now as, you know, what companies are saying that they really need is so much of the feminine, because as you said, it, it was lost or left out. And then what I'm hearing you say is that you've seen so many clients, so many executives who have shut off these other aspects of themselves and then end up burnt out, overwhelmed, fill in the blank and kind of probably lost and stuck. That's a lot of what I see. Totally. And this is where I start to talk about the body. So what I found is that you can't feel your body and be fully connected to your body and not be aware of that stuff. But because we have these perceptions of what's allowable, what will work, we've gotten accolades for doing it a certain way, we stop listening. So we stop listening to how we feel. We stop listening to the emotional kind of spidey sense cues that we might get about the fact that there's something going on in the room and we kind of override it. We stop listening to the little nagging feeling that's like, I think I need to go you know, to the gym today because it would, I would feel better or just I need to eat something different than that. And all of that overriding, all of that ignoring, all that not listening, um, it's kind of like a self-fulfilling loop. So we stop listening because it's working, but then we stop learning. We stop almost like being able to listen. Like we almost lose the cues or the cues stop talking to us over time. Right, right, right. It's like we we cover them up so much. I often think of like that inner voice, right? She speaks to you, right? Literally. But if we cover her up all the time, I almost have this picture of like an inner voice with piles of mud coming on top of her. And we tell her, you know, we don't need you now. That's luxury. It's not important. You know, work, work, work. Then of course we can't hear her because now she's all covered up. Well, not only that, sometimes I talk about it like a little animal that's gone in a hole. And that sounds kind of mm. weird, but in other words, it's like maybe she's more like in the corner with her arms folded and her back to you going, you didn't listen before. Why would I bother telling you again? Ooh. And so the thing is the uncovering or taking off the mud or the sort of coaxing to actually come back online is a process. And the book that I've just written is... You know, it's like, I can just tell you, we'll start listening again. And you're like, I can't hear anything. I know I'm not getting any information. How can I start listening again? It's not like you can just snap your fingers and get it back. It actually takes, you know, walking backward on the path of unraveling those layers that you put on or, you know, re-inviting the thing that you've basically told, I'm not interested in you to come back online and, and work with you again. So it mm. takes some time, it takes some effort. It does. It does. And, and I'm hearing you and say, and this is what came through loud and clear in the book. It's about the body. And let's be honest, we've left the body out of work, right? But for good reason, because totally. the body at work, we see way too many you know, sexual harassment charges, me yeah. too. And so we're told, cut the body off, mm -hmm. don't show any skin. Don't. And so how do we reconcile that we need our bodies because our bodies tell us the intuition, we need to take care of our bodies in order to be that whole well-rounded woman, human leader. How do we do body and, and work at the same time? 
It's such a good question. I mean, the way the way I hold it, there's, there doesn't feel like a conflict to me. And I really get the tension when I just bring it up or I say that it's like, oh, that, that doesn't belong in the workplace. Part of what I did for my master's thesis was actually ask a bunch of leaders, well, what role does the body play in leadership? Mm. And the first thing that people would say is, well, I don't know. <laughs> and then I would sort of press them and they would go, okay, well, okay, let me think. Like, if I'm not healthy, if I'm not feeling well, I can't lead well. And I'm like, okay, good. We're on to something, but what else? And then they would just kind of go blank. Mm. But then if you gave people long enough, they would start to go, well, maybe that time when I'm in a meeting and my stomach kind of starts to feel a little upset because there's something happening under the surface that I'm not really like to people start to go, oh, there's, if I'm paying attention to the body, there's cues that I'm getting. So I really hold like getting back in touch with the body simply as a doorway. It's not the only thing. It's not, you know, it's not whatever we might make it up to be, but rather it's a gateway or a doorway to be able to start getting pieces back or getting cues back that can open up a whole world of other competencies in the context of your leadership, whether you're a man or you're a woman. Yeah. So I'm a bit provocative and I'll say it starts at the body. That's one of my taglines on um, my other website. And you know, I'll say the body is what's missing it's not, obviously our bodies aren't missing. We are going to work in a body. You can't really do anything. You can't take any action without your body there and there. But it's like, is it a, is it a doorway? Is it a, um, anyways, a it's tool. Something including exactly. Yeah. Our, our bodies, you know, our bodies tell us so much. Like you're mm-hmm. saying, we get a funny feeling mm, that person is not being honest or we get, you know, excited and an idea. I hear this from women all the time. I had the idea. I just didn't speak it. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, someone else spoke it and they got tons Great. of credit. So our bodies really do tell us so much. And if we don't listen, then there's no way that we can flourish and thrive and be that leader. Totally. And, and I want to just reemphasize the thing I already said, which is if you're listening to this and you're going, but I don't get any information, I promise you there's information to be had. It's that if you've practiced not listening your body will stop giving you the cues or they'll mask or you just like, you won't be able to hear it. And Mm -hmm. so I have a lot of people say, well, I'm not sure this work is for me. I'm not sure I really have that. I've never met a person, male or female, who doesn't actually have access to that. It just, the question is like, how far away from it are you right now? And what are the steps to bring it back online? Because when you do, you suddenly have access to all this extra information and all these extra tools that you didn't have before. How can that be bad? Mm. And it can be bad. I mean, and then I'll say, because everything about my brand at this point is the end. Yes. And there's a lot to be had here. And it might be bad, challenging, scary, all these other things, which is if, for example, you have trauma in your body or you've experienced sexual harassment, or you've gone through things, the walking backwards to have it, have access to it again might be a challenging path. So I want to say that as well, in case you're thinking like, yeah, I tried that and I don't know where to go there. Like acknowledging that as well, that it is a, mm. is a real healing path. Yeah. And that healing, that aspect of you will bring you more into your wholeness and bring you more into the ability to show up in every area of your life, whether it's in the boardroom, it's at the kitchen table, right? Every area of your life really feeling it and doing that healing will allow it. So if someone's listening and is like, but I, I don't even know how to walk backwards. I know you have a ton of tips in your book and I'm telling you people, this book is so good because it's practical and she shares all of the science 
And so we're going to, of course, we have a link in the show notes. What's one thing that a woman listening to this right now could do to start listening to her body? Um, I'll give you two. (laughs) So one is feeling, and we can do this right now. It doesn't take a lot of time. Um, Mm -hmm. We don't always take it super seriously, but literally if you just take a moment and drop your attention from whatever you've been thinking and actually bring your attention to the sensations in your physical body. So where do you start? Maybe you feel your feet. Maybe you feel you're behind on the chair. Warm, for example, cold temperature, you can feel the pressure. And right off the bat, you might go, oh gosh, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> or, oh wow, that, that sensation feels nice. Or, wow, I can't feel anything. This is the first practice. Hmm. Now, from here, you can do different things. You can um, bring yourself more into presence, for example. I teach this by coming more into your physical length, like letting yourself get a little taller, uncollapsed. Hmm. Coming into your physical width, getting a little wider. Hmm. You never want to take up space, or some of us don't. And then coming into your physical depth, so like including the back of your body and behind, as well as the front of your body and in front of you, like a 365 kind of presence. Hmm. And you may already notice from here that something feels different or not. So you might be, for example, in a meeting and you're like, oh, (laughs) can't feel anything. Hold on. Let me take just a moment, bring attention down in, shift and see what that changes. Hmm. Sort of quick practice. I um, I have a, one of the downloads I'm going to give you is a longer five minute version of that practice. That's a little bit deeper, um, but you'll be able to practice that at home if you want to. Oh, I love that. And Leanne has generously offered to give that to all of you listeners. So, and I have to tell you, I didn't even realize I was hunched over. Yeah. And when we hunch over, we're making ourselves smaller. We're also cutting off parts of our, you know, parts of our organs when we're hunched over. And of course, so many of us are now around computers and telephones. And so just you doing that, I felt my shoulders go back. I felt so much taller. I have to move my microphone, you know, higher. I'm like, yes. And then I feel more confident, right? Then I feel bigger. And, and this is a, um, Amy Cuddy's research on, many of you have heard of power poses. Mm-hmm. So this idea that when you stand in a way that is more, you know, takes up more space, in fact, and really is in your full presence, um, they found things like people were more likely to rate you as confident. You're more likely to feel confident. You're more likely to get a job if you've gone through an interview, these kinds of things. And it's not like you have to stand in a power pose, but physiologically, um, when the body is more upright, more open, more available, you have a different experience. Contrast that to I'm hunched over my computer or I'm sitting in the waiting room texting on my phone with my head down and my shoulders hunched and how often just because of our devices or the environment that we're in, are we doing that? And we don't realize what that's doing to us in our own experience. Oh, it's so incredible. I already feel more confident and open. So I love this. Part of why I love having all my guests on is they take me through the best exercises. So thank you. You're so welcome. I did have a second answer to your question too, in case someone feels daunted by that or you want another practice, which is super simple. I talk about this, I think in chapter three of the book, Um, the practice is to take the words, I don't know out of your vocabulary. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So often we delude ourselves that we're not getting any information. And one way that we keep ourselves in that loop is that we just have an automatic, like, I don't know. I don't know what I want for lunch. I don't know what I feel like doing after work today. I don't know who I want to go out with tonight. 
but often we do or we could know if we take the time and really hold ourselves in a container of listening. So mm. uh, if you're like, yeah, I want to start opening up a little something, try that for a week. I love it. I love it. I was reading that and so remembering a time I had gone out to dinner with my first husband. I mean, we went out many times, but this one I really remember. You know, we were, I was in the shower and he came into the bathroom and he said, Hey, doesn't Mexican sound great for dinner? And my whole body was like, no, Mexican sounds <laughs> disgusting for dinner. And I said, yeah, it sounds great. Mm-hmm. Now, why did I say it sounds great? You know, I'm not asking you. I know now why I said it because I was in such a pleaser mode and whatever he wanted and, oh, what's the big deal? And, you know, we learn, well, what's the big deal? It's just food. But, you know, you tell a beautiful story in there about you and a colleague having a similar experience. And then then we were sitting at the Mexican and it wasn't, you know, I wasn't satisfied. And then I was being grumpy and then I was picking fights. Then that's the memory of the evening when if I just said, no, it doesn't sound that great. You know, I'm thinking Italian and he and I could have found something that worked for us. And so as women, right, we don't, we often say we don't know when we do know, we just don't want to hurt anyone else's feelings or we literally have been out of touch. So what do you see as different about women's leadership? Hmm. I mean, I think we're talking about a lot of it right now and there's different ways to hold it, right? I think the one way to hold it is, okay, so there's the masculine and the feminine, um, many of the traits, quote unquote, that really fit into whether it be the healthy or unhealthy masculine, there's a certain level of drive, which can be really positive or can have a shadow. There's a certain level of precision or clarity or directness, all of these things that, you know, arguably, I mean, we all embody both, right? And so this is more coming from like the wisdom traditions than, um, you know, social analysis, if you will. Um, I, I hope that makes sense if you're listening and that doesn't, don't worry about it. But if it make, matters to you, I'm really just saying like the energy of the masculine or feminine, like the yin and the yang. Mm. Um, and so there's, there's that, right. And it just happens to be that um, many of our workplaces as a result of the patriarchy, as a result of how a lot of our world and our, a lot of our current structures got built by men, you know, no, no bad, maybe bad, but no bad. Let's say we, let's say we say no bad. Um, we're not bashing. Exactly. Just so happens to be that the way they were thinking or what kind of naturally worked for them got built into our systems. And so that's a certain version of leadership. And when you look at a lot of the texts and even the women's leadership texts, a lot of them are like, here's how you can hack that. Here's how you can get to be more this way. You can negotiate this way. You can, you know, get things done this way. You can drive this way so that you can get ahead. Um, the other side is interesting, right? So the feminine in leadership, this may not be the same as women's leadership, but to, to play the other side for a minute, the feminine leadership is, right, these things like maybe emotional intelligence, being able to listen more deeply, um, having a sense of relationality, being able to actually collaborate or coordinate or just paying attention that you're not the only person in the room, for example, like this sort of more whole, more inclusive. Um, and that And that can be shadowy too. It's like that's the place where, oh, I just take everybody and not me, or I over-collaborate and never make a decision, right? So that's not necessarily a good or a bad. It's just like those energies might fit in the bucket of feminine. For me, women's leadership is women doing things the way that are most native and right for them Mm. from both of those pieces, Mm -hmm. rather than just doing what I think I'm supposed to do because of the way the patriarchy has set up what companies and what leadership has meant for a long time. So I'm not necessarily one of those people who's going to say, hey, here's 10 
ways to be a woman leader do this. It's just never been the way that I've worked. I'm more going to say, do you want to go on a journey where you figure out what leading from yourself looks like versus leading from sort of the traditional patriarchal way of leading or from the textbook? Yeah. Um, So I would say leading like a woman is allowing yourself or daring to be native to you and to Mm. trust actually that that will also work. And of course, like, you know, be a translator, like speak the other language when it makes sense and when it's needed. I'm not saying throw the baby out with the bathwater, but can you be a woman who walks in and goes, ah, the skill that I have of seeing the bigger picture or like sensing something under the surface, that's relevant here. I trust that in my own self, my own core and center is strong enough that I can choose to lead from there versus the thing I think I should do. For me, that's Mm. really leading like a woman. Mm. It's so beautiful and so profound. I love how you have really felt into that it's being native for everybody, whatever native is to you, that it's it's not, you know, the the male, female, feminine, masculine, all those pieces as native. We don't do that. We end up with the cookie cutter opposite version of what we have now, which isn't necessarily going to be helpful and may not feel native to a lot of people. There may be a lot of women listening to this podcast who are like, I don't resonate with feminine qualities. Great. Okay, cool. But are there ways that you've embodied things that aren't fully you? Let's call that the patriarchy, whatever that means. And are you willing to allow more of your own self, whoever you are to come through? Yeah. You know, and what I find is a lot of people don't speak this feminine masculine language and which is fine because it hasn't, you know, made its way everywhere yet. You and I have been trained and and done a lot of work in, in this area and that, what I find, I just worked with a client this morning who succeeded extraordinarily well in her corporate job for 25 years and gets big ego boost out of it. Big, you know, like importance and all that. And has three children and has her own business on the side and is like, what's, why am I anxious? Why am I depressed? Why am I now? Of course, there's like a time question, but beyond the time question, as she and I really got into it, she was completely not in her heart. Mm-hmm. Her heart, she was really able to say, my heart doesn't want that particular job and the way that they do things there. My heart actually wants freedom and creativity and, and spontaneity. And right, so her body, tapping into each part of her body, really wanted something different. It was an ego. And I, I think, I know for myself, I didn't, really know if you had said of the feminine way, I wouldn't have known that, yes, I want it or no, I don't. But if you look at and you say, well, the way I'm currently doing it, something must not be working for me because I'm so overwhelmed. I'm X, Y, Z or I'm bored, whatever it is, then there's something to look at. Yeah. And the stories in many ancient traditions go that the grandmothers buried their medicine during this time because it wasn't safe or it would be lost, it would have been lost or they would have been killed if they had brought whatever these gifts are forward. Mm. And my gifts of intuition, whatever, exactly. Of anything that comes more in the feminine or just what doesn't fit or what what there wasn't room for in society. So I Mm -hmm. guess I'm going to say like whatever coping mechanism um, you as an individual or we as a collective have uh, taken on, they were needed like no bad. And Mm -hmm. I personally believe, which is why this is the moment for this book and, you know, your work can and, and these conversations that um, now it's like the time where there's actually becoming room again. 
mm. and the need again and the hunger again. And it's like something is ripe in the field, in the collective for this stuff to come back online and for us to come back online in these ways. And it doesn't matter if you're 20 or you're 30 or you're 40 or you're 70 right now. It's like there is an opening that maybe wasn't there before. Mm. So I think now is the moment where if you have a longing, there's space for it. I guess that's what I want to say. <laughs> mm. I love this longing. Let's talk a little bit about longing. Sure. I mean, there's so much in your book I would love to talk about. The yes and the no. Time. You do such a beautiful job talking about, is it really a myth? You know, is it true that we don't have time and give mm -hmm. such great examples? Um, and so I'll get to those in a second. Tell us about longing. What's funny, I was, as you were speaking, taking a note and I wrote time and I put a box around it and then longing in a circle around it. And what I wrote was keeps us from longing. I actually wrote that before you brought this up. So we're mm. <laughs> Right in sync, girlfriend. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure what you said earlier that made me think this, but um, longing is that impulse. It is mm. the thing. I would say for me, longing more comes from the body or it comes from the soul. And for me, those two things are actually quite connected. Um, and they're sort of what's been programmed out of our workplace in many ways. Mm -hmm. um, but through my um, connection with myself in both an embodied or physical way and then like a deeper soul level way, there's like this um, pull or urge or something. It's like, it has a directionality to it, but it also has like a, sometimes it has more like a heat or a spark or a sensation to it. It's like when you know that something is for you and then many of us have an automatic cutoff that we do. And then often what happens next is we go, well, I don't have time. Mm. Um, it's, it's really become, I would say, the biggest excuse is such an, an accusatory word. Like it has such a bad connotation, but um, if I, if I go a little bit more dramatic, I would say like, again, whatever that patriarchy is, however we hold that has created these systems in which there isn't enough time or in which we believe this kind of always doing moving forward in such ways that we don't, we don't actually have the space to, and we don't give ourselves or we don't believe there's enough space to listen to what those impulses are. It's like, there's always something happening that we have to go in a certain direction. Um, mm. Even like, and this would apply, like, even if you're running a company, let's say you're a man or a woman and you're running a large company, it's like, yeah, but we got to make the numbers. We got to make, you know, the, the, whatever we need to make for next quarter, you know, we need to satisfy the shareholders, all of these kinds of things. And yet there's an impulse. Maybe it's an impulse to go a different direction or change. You hear this a lot in innovation, like the company didn't make it because they missed that moment of listening of something is going to change in the market or in the field or in what we're doing. And we need to respond to that. And so you can see this at the very kind of macro and the very micro level of a human being individual, um, that something about the drive prevents the listening to the longing, the thing, the impulse. For me, it's just the impulse itself. The game <laughs> is do you allow it? Mm. Do you stay with it for long enough for it to talk to you? Do you let yourself actually um, get curious about it? Because sometimes it's freaking confronting. Sometimes the yeah. longing is like 180 degrees different than my life or yeah. sometimes the impulse in the market or in the business is 180 degrees different than how we're currently doing business. Like it disrupts things. And it often doesn't make any sense. <laughs> often. Right. So, you know, you're, you're in your office and everyone is talking about the blue brochure and in your soul, you have a spark. That brochure has to be read yeah. and your logo's blue and everything's blue. And so it doesn't even make sense. Right. And yet you have like this inner spark that just tells you 
you know, and, and you can apply that then to a marriage or to a friendship, to anything, you know, you might want, you say, I just, I just, oh, I just feel so juiced up to go to Italy. And you think, but we have no money, right? It often makes <laughs> no sense. <laughs> but listening to that longing matters. Yeah, totally. It really, it matters because that is your body or that is your soul really speaking to you. And my experience is whenever I listen to the soul, it's correct. And when I don't. Yeah, and I was gonna say, when you don't, what happens? Because I want to talk about that too. <laughs> yeah, well, when I don't, right, then all sorts of things happen. Then I end up depressed. You know, frankly, I've had that happen multiple times in my life. Then I end up feeling anxious as if I, there's like some incongruity in my body. And I end up feeling lost. Like, oh, I don't know who I am anymore. Yeah. When really, if I had just that one craving, if I had been saying yes to myself, (laughs) things may, may have been different. Totally. I was having a conversation with a young woman uh, yesterday who was trying to decide if she was going to, which is, she's looking for a job, but, and it took us about 30 minutes to get to the point in the conversation where she said, but really, I think I need to move to New York. And I was like, <laughs> we should have started with that. Of course, you're not finding a job in the San Francisco Bay area when your right. longing is telling you need to be in New York. Like that's why it's not happening. And what can happen is that we end up throwing ourselves into these loops of like, nothing seems to be working. Nothing seems to be working. Like we cut ourselves mm. off from source or from something that's actually bigger than ourselves that could help us when we don't listen. Now, I'm not saying that anytime you have a longing, you should do exactly what it says, but it's just like, can you be curious about it at least and see what's there for you? Mm, yeah. And, and even as you get, I love that word, as you get curious with it, then allowing it to even tell you what the essence is. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't have to go to Italy right away, but there's an essence of of romance that you're desiring, or there's an essence of, you know, yeah, so, so beautiful. And I think that sometimes we don't do it because we think, oh, if it comes out this way at the beginning, I have to do it exactly that way. So, and sometimes they're dark, right? Like I have a longing for someone who's not my husband or my Mm. wife. And then we go, oh gosh, I can't listen to that. And we shut it down. But that might just be the way that you first got an indication that there's something you want to juice up about your sex life or exactly. something totally unrelated, but it's like you need some kind of nourishment that's not there right now. It doesn't mean that you have to do what you think it says at the beginning. And I think that is often where I will go, ah. you know, it's like I have a longing to leave my job. Well, does that mean I need to leave my job right away? Well, maybe, but maybe not. Maybe it means you need to go have a difficult conversation with someone about the fact that you're not in the right role. Like, Right. This is so brilliant. Leanne, this is, this is so incredibly brilliant. You are incredibly brilliant, my friend, because now as I really think what has happened when I have not listened, first of all, the voice doesn't go away. <laughs> so we think we're just putting it in a box and putting it on the shelf, but let's be honest, it just starts screaming louder from the shelf, right? Like, so the voice doesn't go away. And like you said, then, then I'm in circles and wondering what's wrong when the voice is, is still there. And I think there's something interesting here that we either try to make it go away and pretend it's not there. Or we think we have to do this impulse and go listen to it right now. But that was such a great example. If you're, you know, you're thinking you're longing for somebody else, say, hey, huh, what does this tell me about what I desire in my marriage, what I desire in my partnership? And how can I bring that to our relationship right now? Totally. How can I bring I this even, to the business right now? Yeah, I would even okay. venture to say that the, um, in some way, the ignoring and the impulsivity are really actually two sides of an ego coin or a shadow coin. Mm. And they both keep us from actually listening in a deeper way and really going on the ride that might be possible to be had. Like some of us override by just 
doing or being impulsive. Some of it was override by ignoring, which is why, which is why it took a while to write guts and grace <laughs> because the symptom of not doing these things, of not connecting, of not going in, it can look really different for different people. And so some of what I was trying to do and, you know, when I'm in a conversation, I kind of know where to go with someone, but if I'm writing to a group or, you know, trying to express something more broadly, that's like, it may look this way or that way for you. It may not be obvious exactly, but when you get underneath it, it's actually the same dysfunction or it's mm. the same thing that needs to be rehabilitated. You know, you do a beautiful job of this in the book where you have the chapter on yes and no as an example. And you might be out there and you're the person who says yes to all these things that you don't want to, the dinner invitation, the promotion, all these things. And where you really need to learn to say no, and then you share the flip side, or you might be the person who says no to everything. And then it's experimenting with your yes. And you do that with time and you do that with so many different things. And I so appreciate it. So Leanne, what is one or two takeaways that you want everyone to take away from Guts and Grace and from your work? from women's leadership. This is what I usually say, and I'll say it again, because I stand by this, which is that your body can be a doorway. And that, again, it doesn't have to be hard or complicated. It doesn't mean you have to go to the gym 10 times a week. Um, It's just at the very base level to start listening to some of these things we said, right? To your longing, to a little bit of a, you know, a sensation that you're not sure what to do with, and that the practice is to listen and to be curious and really to trust in a way. Mm. Um, and that that is my version of um, the best story that I know how to offer to be able to lead more like a woman. It's just mm. listening. Mm-mm-mm. It is about listening. So I just want to put a picture frame around that, Leanne, and hang it on the wall. It's just gorgeous. All right. So I know we only have a minute or so left, but I love to do something I call a purpose power play round with all of my guests. Just going to ask you one or two very random questions. And whatever is the first thing that comes to your mind is the correct answer. (laughs) Are you down to play? Okay. What did you have to stop doing or let go of to be who you are and where you are now? I had to stop being depressed. I had to stop like going down the rabbit hole of my own um, very juicy emotional um, mm. emotional hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, as women, we have that full range. We've got the high highs. We can have the low lows. And so just not allowing it to, to take you, to suck you in like a vacuum. Yep. Mm. So good. That could be a whole other conversation because women are like, how do I do that? And of course, ladies right there, you know, I have so many episodes on on how to do that. And Leanne's book will help you so much with that. Last question. Who inspires you to be better? My partner. Mm. I have to say when I met um, the person I'm in an intimate relationship with, it was like, I cannot hurt this human being. And it was really the first time. I mean, I never want to hurt anybody, but it was really the first time where there was something so visceral in me that was like, no matter what, no matter what, I can't make this person the villain by being a victim. And Mm. that was so easy for me to do that. I was like, oh, this is is something special because it would, it would be like, there'd be these moments where I'd want to go into whatever I would normally do to someone that I was in relationship with when it wasn't going well. And I'd be like, I can't do that here. I cannot do that. Right. So we all want to know how you do that too. So, okay. We've got follow-up to do with Leanne and I have chills. That's absolutely beautiful. 
So Leanne, if people want to find you, I know you have a free gift for us today. How can everyone get a hold of it and people and how can you know leaders find you? Yes, indeed. So um my so if you want to find out about the book and the women's work that I do, it's gutsandgrace.com. We're literally going live today, October 3rd, 2019, with a new site and woo, the book woo, woo. out in January, but you can get on the list. Um, for the book on the book page, you can also get, we have a download that's a, I think it's a 20 question assessment on becoming a full bodied leader and a couple of mm. downloads, which are uh, an embodied joy meditation and a longer version of the centering practice that we did together. So a couple of guided meditations and a, an assessment for you there on the homepage. I think we're also going to send you a link where you can go get that directly as well. Beautiful. So you can find all those links in the show notes. And I know that people are Oh, everyone, you're going to want to get this book. Anyone who's a leader in any way, which is all of us, whether you're a leader in your family or a leader in business, uh, this book is fantastic. And she totally backs it up with all the research, just like we do so often here on the Purpose Girl podcast. Leanne, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You have shared so much wisdom with us and we are so grateful. Thank you, Karen. It's been awesome to be here. And thanks all you Purpose Girls. And thank you, Purpose Girls. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this episode of the Purpose Girl Podcast. We hope you loved it. And if you did and you have not yet left your five-star review, then please, please, please head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and give us that five-star review. One sentence, one word even just helps women all over the world find us. Of course, if you haven't yet joined the Purpose Girls Facebook group, it's totally free. Every day, my team and I post messages, quotes, questions, journal articles. I do a Facebook Live every week for you to get support, for you to continue this journey of becoming the purposeful, happy, bright, brilliant woman you were born to be. Of course, you can find me on Instagram at Karen Rockine. I also do a lot of different lives there and different posts. So find me over there and on Facebook at Coach Karen Rockind. And if you have not yet gotten your Living on Purpose workbook, it's totally free at purposegirl.com where I ask you a ton of questions to help you get in touch with your truth and your purpose. Of course, the most important thing you can do is to share the Purpose Girl podcast with every woman you know. Share it widely. Share it with the women in your workplace. I mean, this episode is perfect for you to have a company meeting with and share it with the women and the men in your office, share it with your mom, share it with your sister, share it with friends, because we are changing the world one woman at a time. And that is how we're creating community. We're creating momentum. You are doing that. And I so appreciate you for it. As always, may you live purposefully. May you love yourself, my love, and may you love life. Bye for now.